0: Thank you, Pastor, for allowing me to share tonight, and good to hear about God's working on your trip, because we always are supportive of that ministry, because it's part of what we are here. We're not just a local inbred church. We're a church that reaches out to the world, amen, and uh, just a a plug for Pastor Kevin's trips too, if you ever want to go along with, you need to get with him, and let him know so that it, you know, he can work with you to get you with him out into the mission field, and you'll learn a lot. And you'll grow a lot real quick. And uh, Pastor, you mentioned it, it rained since 96, but I remember in 94 when we went to Guatemala, it rained down there too. So, <laughs> yeah, a <long> time <laughs> so but rain is a good thing, amen? Rain is especially a good thing when it's a symbol of the presence of the Lord and the outpouring of the Lord. Well, tonight I want to talk to you about our inheritance. Did you know that you have an inheritance in God? You know that God really cares about you. You know that He's concerned about everything that's going on in your life. And He has prepared a wonderful life for you on this life, but also a beautiful heaven for you and I to go to someday. But let's go to the book of Hebrews, and we'll begin reading it in chapter 9, verse 11, and uh, we're talking a little bit about how, at first, about how this came to be, because it, it didn't just all of a sudden appear that we would become uh, a part of God's inheritance, and not everyone in the world can make a claim to that. We are unique as God's chosen people, just like we sang about tonight, in that we can say that we are a part of his kingdom, a part of his family, and because of that, we have an inheritance. Amen? And and it's a great inheritance. Uh, Here's what it reads. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come, with a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, That is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. For where there is a testament, there must also be of necessity the death of the testator, For a testament is enforced after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. This Bible that we have, by the way, is divided into two sections. It's divided into the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Uh, Sometimes we think about Christianity, we think, well, Christianity started when Christ came. Well, actually, no, it didn't. It started when Christ died and rose from the dead. Yep. And until that time, they were still living under the law, and Christ came to set us free from that. But the kingdom that he was to bring is not of this material world. You know, the disciples... One of the things that, that they, they would continually grapple with over the course of his ministry to them was when you set up your kingdom, when you set up your kingdom, when is it going to come? And all those kind of questions that we as human beings have, we, we, shouldn't, we can't be too hard on the disciples because if we had been there, we'd have probably been asking the same things. But his kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. It's not a material kingdom. It is an eternal kingdom. And the kingdom came into effect, or its efficacy, its means of atonement, is dependent on the death of the giver, which the giver is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one that gives us eternal life and the right to belong to this kingdom. He could not do that as long as he lived fact many times in the gospels he would say I came to give my life as a ransom I came to lay my life down Mm -hmm. so that I can pick it up again there were times when people wanted to crown him as king on the earth he said no I can't go that route I have to a plan that's laid out a course that's made for me and it's a course that takes me to the cross nor would he allow himself to be stoned to death or to be pushed off a cliff like is in Nazareth, he determined that he would be going to the cross, that he would be made a curse for us by hanging on the cross, by hanging on the tree, because that's what the Old Testament law said. Cursed is everyone that hangs upon a tree. And in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says this, And he, which is God, Gave him, which is Jesus, to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So that's part of our inheritance in the faith that we become the righteousness of God because of Jesus Christ. It's not of my righteousness, it's not of my good works, it's not of what I have done, it's not of what I could ever do, it's not of my lineage, my parents, my grandparents even though we have godly grandparents and grandparents. It's because of my own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's a wonderful thing because some of you, too, the grace of God skipped your ancestors. And so you had to come into this walk with the Lord on your own into a a full relationship with Him. And, you know, we hope and pray that our ancestors were saved. But nevertheless, here we are. And we've started our walk with the Lord and part of our inheritance and part of our heritage is that we walk in this walk with the Lord and then our children and our grandchildren are raised up to live and walk for the Lord. Now you might say, well, I don't have any children or grandchildren. Well, you can adopt some. They can be your spiritual children and grandchildren. And you can bless them in that way so that... You can have a heritage that goes on. The next thing I want to point out is that this inheritance was purchased with blood. It was purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, by the way, had a different type of blood. You know that the blood type of an individual, your blood type, for instance, is determined by the Father. That's what the scientists tell us. And so Jesus, who was his father? It wasn't Joseph. That was his earthly stepdad. His father was the Holy Ghost. So Jesus had a blood type that nobody else ever had. He had HG blood, Holy Ghost blood. And so his blood lives on. It's a, he, by virtue of that, when he went to the cross and shed his blood, his blood never died. By the Spirit, He made an eternal sacrifice for us on the cross, and that's a wonderful thing. And, and the other part about that is that there's there's a fountain filled with blood we used to sing when we were growing up. That fountain never runs dry. It will always be there for those who want to choose to follow Him. Amen. And he has already chosen everyone in the world, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, say it with me, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But there's the key. It has to be that they choose him. It's not just... You know, the thing like like some people are prone to teach nowadays, well, because Jesus came and died, everybody's saved. And everybody's going to be saved regardless of their decision. And that's not true. It's not true. It's sad. And Jesus himself, when he was on the earth, he said, there's a way to walk. It's a narrow way. And a few there are that find it. There is a way to destruction. And there is a broad way. And many there be that find it. And this way that we walk, again, it is an eternal walk. It is not a material walk. It is a supernatural walk that we walk with. And as a result, it is that we have an eternal inheritance. We have an inheritance that is eternal, not just because the blood of Jesus was Holy Ghost blood, but also because he was raised from the dead by the Spirit. Listen to what this passage says in Romans 8-11. You don't have it, Philip, on the notes. But it says this, If the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken your mortal body by his Spirit that dwells in you. Amen. So that's our internal inheritance. So that when we have things that are going on in our life that we don't understand, that we don't know, that we don't have the answer to, and we go to our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, and we ask Him for help, He gives us an answer that is puzzling to doctors and scientists and and people that want to think that they know it all. Because it's an answer that goes beyond the natural. It's a supernatural answer. And that's a part of our inheritance. A part of our inheritance with that in is that I have the forgiveness of sins. My sins, that just like yours, were many. We were lost without Christ. And yet, when we came to Him, He took those sins away and they are gone. Amen. And we are free from that yeah. that hang, hung over us like a dark cloud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. And we can come to Him when we need healing in our bodies. And that is a part of our eternal inheritance as well. We can come to him just like Pastor Zach has been teaching us on Sunday morning. But that He is my shepherd and because he is, I will not lack. We can come to him for provision when we need something from him. And he is able to provide for us because our inheritance is an eternal inheritance. Amen. Do you know that God has everything that we need? Yep. Everything, more than enough. That's right, Kelly. He has more than enough, and we, if we lack, it's because we don't go to Him and ask Him, because He is able. Amen. Let's go to First Peter chapter one, and here it says this in verse nine, but. You are, let's say I am, am. a chosen generation. Amen. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are his own special people. That don't mean you ride the short bus. That means you're special to him. You're special to God. He cares about you. Amen. That. What are you supposed to do? Proclaim the praises. Of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's a part of your inheritance too, to say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. In the midst of circumstances, to praise the Lord, to exalt his name. Whenever, whatever you're going through, to just express your love and your praise for him. So that what does it do? It makes the world crazy. I was just reading something online earlier today. Someone had a remark, and he said... They're blankety-blank Christians. I hate them. I'm blankety-blankety-blank. I thought to myself, that person's under a lot of conviction. (laughs) they got so much hatred for Christians. I feel sorry for them because they don't have a heritage. They don't have a hope to live for. We have a hope to live for that is steadfast and sure. Since Jesus came into our hearts, we have a hope that will always endure since Jesus came into our hearts. We have that peace within. And we have a home in heaven to live for and to go to someday. And we have blessings all along the way. Let's go back to reading this passage. We were once not a people, but now we are the people of God. We had not obtained mercy, but now we have obtained mercy. And you know what mercy is? It's when we don't get what we deserve. Because every one of us Deserve to go to hell every one of us deserve to be punished for our sins but the mercy of God comes to us and he forgives us and he gives us not only his mercy but then he gives us his grace which is when he gives us something that we don't deserve his mercy doesn't give us what we do deserve and his grace gives us what we don't deserve praise the Lord and then uh, the, all this is through Christ. And, and i like to go back to Ezekiel now, chapter 44. Ezekiel 44, and verse, I'm going to read verse 15, and then I'm going to jump down to verse 28. And not to read the whole passage, you can go and read that on your own, but here's what it says. But the priest, the Levites, the sons of Zadok, who kept charge of my sanctuary when the children of Israel went astray from me, they shall come near to me to minister to me, and they shall stand before me to offer to me the fat and the blood, says the Lord God. And if you do a study in the Old Testament, you see that Zadok was one of the priests at the time of David. And he was from the godly line of Eleazar. And the line of Ithamar, who was that was who Eli was with, you know, his, his, he was in that line that he preceded that time period of David. That line was a a line that became tainted because of Eli's sin and his son's sin. And then God said after Eli had passed away, or right before Eli passed away, he said that his line would eventually fade because they were not following totally after God. But Zadok followed totally after God. He wanted what God wanted. And I hope that you, as God's priest, would say that of yourself. That you want what God wants. That you want the true inheritance. That you want that true blessing of God and that true anointing upon your life. And and in verse 28 it says this, It shall be in regard to their inheritance that I am their inheritance. You shall give them no possession in Israel, for I am their possession. They, it, the priest did not have a set apart boundary area in the country of Israel. That was the way it was back way before Zadok when the Israelites came into the land. But God is just <laughs> emphasizing it again here with Zadok and he's trying to let them know as priest that he is there possession. He is their inheritance. And why did then we jump from 2 Peter all the way back to Ezekiel? Because I wanted you to see in the New Testament that you are God's priests. In the Christian era we are God's priests. And so when we go back and look at the priest in the Old Testament in the book of Ezekiel we see what what we should be identifying with as well. That, Lord, you are our possession. Lord, you are our inheritance. Hebrew honey says it about this. There is, that, that's a book that I have in my, in my, uh, this is my wife right over here. It's Hebrew honey is, is a book that I have in my library. It says this, no greater possession than God, and all who have God have all. No greater possession than God. All who have God have all. So as his priest then, just as we've been studying on Sunday morning, we have no lack then because we have all that we need. We have Christ. He's our strength. He's our help. He's our hope. We have all that we have need of. And if we have any questions, We go to Him, and we ask Him. Now, in the Scriptures, it also talks about Father Abraham being the father of our faith. In Genesis chapter 15, I want us to go there and look and see what Abraham, in his faith and in his faithfulness, what he found out from God. If you can imagine, here's a guy that was not serving God, in Ur of the Chaldees, but there was something unique about him. He had a heart that yearned after God, and Abram's his name was Abram at first. And his father, God spoke to his father and said, "Take your family out of here," and so they went and headed north along the Fertile Crescent until they got to Haran, and there his father died. And God began to speak to Abram then, and God began to tell Abram. I want you to be my special chosen one. I want you to follow me and to go down into Canaan and there I'm going to give you something. I'm going to and you know he didn't the only part that he ever owned in the land of Israel was uh, a place where he bought that he would bury Sarah. All he owned was a burial plot. God told him, you're going to have all this. Wow. Here's what it says. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. And there were other things that God added onto that. But this is the part I wanted to focus on. God spoke to Abraham, and he said, Abraham, you don't need to be afraid. He was in a strange land. There were enemies all around. Yes, it was a barbaric time. Yes, there was no, no law. Eventually, he became strong enough that he was able to establish some law on his own. You know, and, and, but, but God was speaking to him and said, listen, I am your shield. I am your shield, which is a word that means I'm your protector, your defense, your ruler. That's what God will be for us. He'll be our protector. He'll be our shield. He'll be our ruler. And, and then he, we can take the, the I am that is there and we can attach it to the next phrase, which says, I am your exceedingly great reward. Yeah. I am your reward. An interesting word, reward. In the Hebrew, is sakar, and it means wages, worth, benefit. I am your benefit, God is yeah. saying. But when the Septuagint translated it, they translated it into the word misthros, which means in the Greek, it means rewarder, reward. Same thing. But why did I share that word? There's a reason. I'm not just sharing a word with you so that I can say, well, here's a word. Remember that. There's going to be a test later. No, (laughs) there's no test tonight. In Hebrews 11.6, What's it say? It says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for. That's verse 1. The evidence of things not seen. By it the elders obtain a good report. I'll get to verse 6 in a minute. Without faith it is impossible to please God. For those that come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. He is a rewarder. And the great thing about that word in Hebrews eleven six 6 is that it is not just the myth, mistrust, it is a compound of that that goes beyond that. So it's, it's kind of like it expands on it, explodes it. God is a greater rewarder than what you can even imagine or think of if you just have faith in Him. If you just believe Him for what he can do. He is a great God. Did you know that there is nothing impossible with God? Amen. Nothing is impossible with God. What you see in the natural might keep you from doing something in the natural. But when you look in through God's eyes, then we can see what the possibilities are. What God wants us to do and what He wants to speak to it. Let me ask you this question Are you speaking to your body? Well, what, are you, what are you saying? Well, I mean, I'm just what I said. Are you speaking to your body? You know? Are you just going to, to say, Well, my body is, is frail and it's human and, and it's material and it doesn't listen because it wants to do its own thing? Yeah, yeah, everybody's body seems to be that way. But does it have to be that way? Does it always have to be that way? What about the word of God? If we have faith and we believe God, can we not speak to our bodies then to say, yes. be healed, amen, be healed? Can we not speak to our bodies and say, stop curse"? Stop, curse. Amen. Because some things that come against our bodies are a part of the curse. What does it say about Jesus when he went to the cross? It says he became sin for us who knew no sin. He says he became the curse as he hung upon the tree because the Bible says cursed is everyone that hangs upon a tree. He became a curse. When he shed his blood, he shed it out of his whole, his back, his hands, his side, his head, his feet, for our salvation and our healing. And we know, we have to remind ourselves of this, that salvation is that word sozo that means complete healing, body, soul, and spirit. Amen? That he wants to touch us, every part of us. He wants to minister. Amen. Ephesians chapter one, verses eleven through eighteen. In Him, in Christ, also we have a, we have obtained an inheritance. Wait a minute, Paul. Are you you saying that we've already got that inheritance, Paul? I thought we had to wait till we get to heaven to get our inheritance. That's what, not what he says here. He says we have obtained our inheritance. We have obtained our inheritance. Being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. There's that word that troubles some of us. That word predestined. Well, what is predestined? Is it determined then that whatever will be, Pastor Tripp, remember, used to always say this, whatever will be, will be, even if it never comes to pass. <laughs> you ever hear him say that, Pastor? Kevin? <laughs> Whatever will be, will be, even if it never comes to pass. He was kind of poking fun at people who believe in uh, that everything is all set in stone and we can't have any decision. We have a decision, yep. but once we make the decision for Christ, we are predestined to be His. We are predestined to walk in Him, in His power, in His glory, and His purpose. And He will, as we are predestined to walk in that, Work everything according to His will. Well, well, I don't know about the things that are happening in my life. Well, let's examine that. What's happening in your life? Is it because there's sin in your life? Is that why something has happened in your life? Is it because maybe your parents sinned? That maybe that's why it happened in your life. You remember when they brought the blind man to Jesus? The disciples said, "Well, you know, who sinned? This man or his parents that he's born blind?" And Jesus answered them this. He says, neither one, but it's for the glory of God. So uh, when you're examining it, maybe it's not your fault what you're going through. When you're examining it, maybe it's not even your parents' fault that you're going through it. When you're examining it, maybe it's for the glory of God that you're going through it. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! Because it's all according to the counsel of his will. Lord, I step into your will. Lord, I step into your will because that's a part of my inheritance, to walk in your will, to be who you want me to be, to walk as you want me to walk, to say the things you want me to say, to meet the people that you want me to meet, to be in harm's way if that's where you want me to be. Amen? To walk in his will. Verse 12, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Yep. That everything that we do, we should praise him, just like we sang about tonight. All is for your glory, all is for your praise. That you might have the first place, that you might have preeminence. Verse 13 In you him all you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Let's examine that. Do we believe that people have to speak in tongues and be baptized in the Holy Spirit in order to be saved? We do not. What we do believe is this, that a person cannot be saved without Holy Spirit coming inside of their heart. Yep. Jesus talked about that when he was talking to Nicodemus then talking about life coming from believing and being born again of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? So, and then when he came to the disciples after the resurrection, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Wait a minute, Lord, the disciples were already saved. How could they be saved? Jesus hadn't died on a cross. And remember what Jesus said to Peter? He said to Peter, says, this is before he went to the cross. Jesus said to Peter, Peter, Satan's desired to take you and to sift you. But when you are converted, (laughs) Peter, when you're converted, strengthen your brethren. (laughs) Peter didn't have a conversion experience until after the resurrection. You think he was converted when he denied Christ? What about all the miracles he did? He did them in Jesus' name. God allowed the Holy Spirit to work through them so that they could see. This is possible. Then when the Holy Spirit fell at Pentecost, they were empowered to go and to do the will of the Lord. When you and I come to the Lord and say, God, forgive me, I'm a sinner. Holy Spirit comes and lives in our hearts. And now... Instead of there being a temple in Jerusalem, which, when I say this, this might sound kind of strange. Thank God there's not a temple in Jerusalem right now. Yep. Hello? Yep. You ever thought about that? That maybe there's not a temple in Jerusalem right now because Christians all over the world would be looking to Jerusalem? Paul said, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives in me. That's part of our inheritance. Now, Paul says, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. This phrase is like a woman that's received an engagement ring. When you were getting ready to get married, ladies, your Beloved, proposed to you. And as a part of that proposal, he gave you a ring. And it had a rock on it. Well, It might have been a zirconium or it might have been a diamond. It might have been a huge one. It might have been a small one. It don't matter. But the, uh, the essence of it was that it was a promise that something was going to happen. That you were <laughs> promised that you were in relationship with him and that one day soon, You would be married to him. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You have the engagement promise of the Holy Spirit living inside of you that says this, one day you and I are going to sit down at the marriage supper of the Lamb and there we're going to be joined together completely with the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the Holy Spirit of promise in us that tells us that so that we can co- have confidence and trust in him. Number 14, He who is the guarantee of our inheritance? Did you hear that? Holy Spirit is a guarantee of your inheritance. You can take it to the heavenly bank that you have an inheritance because you have Holy Spirit living inside of you. Until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. That's another part of your inheritance, that you have a divine revelation of who Jesus is. That you can say, I believe he's the Christ, the Son of the living God, just like Peter said, and a real Philippi. That's a part of our inheritance. We believe, and we, we can't understand why we, why we would ever not believe that. We can't understand sometimes how some people cannot believe it. But we believe it. That's a part of our inheritance. And he gives us wisdom and revelation knowledge so that then, what's he saying? The gifts of the Spirit begin to operate in our lives. As we walk and continue to be in the Lord Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit can't just stay inside of us. He wants to burst out. He wants to take and use our mouth. He wants to use our hands. He wants to use our feet. He wants to work through us the good things of God. Number 18, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Praise God. I've got some points here. I don't know if you there they are. Okay. God works all things according to his will. Not my will, it's his will. God seals us with his Holy Spirit. We receive wisdom and revelation to know Christ. And it's not just a one-time knowledge. It's a deeper and deeper knowledge, more and more. As we read the Word and study the Word, his Holy Spirit just opens up the Word to us. And then we begin to understand how rich our inheritance actually is. It's a very rich inheritance. And that inheritance, it it goes back up to that same root word that we had back in Ezekiel, that the priest had that inheritance, that possession. It's the same root word in the Septuagint as it is now in the Koine Greek in the New Testament, same root word, our inheritance. See, God had it in his mind and his plan all the while, even before Christ came. He had it planned all the while, even in the garden of, of Eden, he had it planned. Praise God. It's a wonderful plan. Now, the final scripture I want to leave you with tonight maybe I think maybe one of the greatest because it's just just really opened up to me this week. It's in Hebrews chapter 13. And it says this, as another part of our inheritance. I want you to remember this. This is another part of your inheritance. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Well, that's not a part of your inheritance. That should be your actions, yeah. But be content with such things as you have. (laughs) Well, that's not a part of my inheritance either. But yeah, that's a part of what we should be. Be content, amen. But here it is. For he himself, Jesus has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you is a double negative. Ou me. Two words in the Greek language. Ou me. I will never leave you. It's like God is compounding it. He's saying this is for certain that I will not leave you. No, not at all. Not by any means will I ever leave you word studies, by the way, from that. But then the next part is if that wasn't enough. Two times wasn't enough. He goes on to say next. The next part is three times. Nor forsake you is three times. It's a triple negative. It's almost like it's no, no, never, never, ah, ah, ah. Or like that? Who's that guy? That basketball player? No, no, no! <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> not in my court. <laughs> That's what Holy Spirit says. That's what Jesus says. It's a triple negative. It is this: "ude, u, may" in the Greek. And I may not be pronouncing that right. It doesn't matter. Just the points that I want you to get is this, that it's a triple negative. He will never, 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 never leave you, never, 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 never forsake you. He is emphatic about it. Wow. He's got a covenant with you that he wants to stick. And he won't come out of it. His inheritance, His promise for you, for the future, is a great promise and a great future. Stand with me if you will. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you to give you a hope and to give you a future. Amen? Yes. Thank you, Lord, for the inheritance that we have in Jesus Christ. Thank you for Holy Spirit that has quickened us with the Word and given us these things in writing that we can go back to and remind ourselves of them. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to go out of this place tonight with our heads held high in you, Lord, humbled by whom you have made us, and, Lord, yet but strong and powerful in you and in your Holy Spirit. And help us to know that we do not have to back down to any enemy. We can stand firm, and our inheritance is sure, And we thank you, Lord, for all your blessings. And we thank you for each person that's represented and all those that are watching online. We bless them in the name of the Lord to be your people and to go forth and be bold and overcome. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.